Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we come into these moments where we open your word, prepare our hearts to receive the gift of Christmas, the gift of your salvation, the gift of your hope, for we desperately need it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, into his glory, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning or your device, I invite you to open them with me to Luke chapter one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book in the New Testament as we launch into a brand new sermon series this morning. If we were to compare notes on our Christmas experiences as adults, we would probably find we have a lot of unique differences, but if we were to all go back and compare experiences of Christmas as children, we would have a lot in common. You remember the waiting, the waiting for Christmas to get there? I mean, it was like, it's never gonna come. Like somebody might go, hey, it's three weeks until Christmas. It's like, oh, the longest three weeks of my life. But now as an adult, if somebody goes, hey, it's three weeks till Christmas, you're like, no, it's too fast. Like, yes, no, it's too fast, it's too slow. The waiting for Christmas. You know, what we had though was the promise and the reality that Christmas morning would come every year. Another experience that we might have had, this is true confession time in the room. Okay, hey, it's not gonna leave the room, so let me ask you this. When you were a kid, did anybody like go through the house searching for the Christmas presents that your parents had hid somewhere? Okay, and so did anybody ever find them? Like I found one time, I, was, I found the, the NFL electric football. Remember that before video games, you hit the button, and like electric football kind of took the surprise out of Christmas, you know. Anyway, how about for the rebels in the room, the third question is, if you did find it, did you play with it before Christmas? Like, or break it. How about it, did you, like, how do you explain that? I broke my Christmas, bro. The waiting for Christmas, the anticipation, kind of summarizes the, the story of the first Christmas, if you think about it. There was a group of people, the Jews, who were over there in Israel that were longing and waiting for the Messiah, their savior to arrive on the scene. For years they were waiting in the silence and and for generations parents would tell the stories to their children and they would wait and generation after generation would go by and they never even had the promised hope that, that they might even see him with their own eyes but they kept telling the story and into the waiting they kept going, the waiting of Christmas. Every generation had a remnant of people that when everybody else was turning away from the the faith and leaving God and, and, and going their own way, there was a remnant that stayed faithful to him that one day the Messiah will show up. In the silence, he will come to rescue us for they had the promise of God, the prophets of the Old Testament. They had heard Malachi. You remember, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet. And here are the last two verses of the entire Old Testament. And they knew these well. And it says this in Malachi chapter four. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord's coming. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. The scroll was wrapped up and put away. 
and the silence began. Where are you, God? Are you still there? Do you, do you still care? When are you coming to deliver us? In the silence, they waited. It was 2018, and there was a launch of the Mars Explorer called InSight. It was a capsule that we sent out to the planet Mars to, to study it and learn more about the soil. And it was an incredible project. It took six months. Once they launched the Explorer, it took it six months hurtling through space to get over there to Mars. It was traveling over 12,000 miles an hour. And the scientists that were working on it said the, the most challenging part of this project was now going to be getting it through the atmosphere of Mars slowing it from 12,000 miles an hour down to five miles an hour to land there on the surface and not tumble over or break or, or anything. And so once they got it to the atmosphere, they had to cut off all communication with it to let it concentrate and do its programming. And so they cut it off. It was called the seven minutes of terror. They were out of touch with it. It was black, the screens, they were watching and staring, and all of a sudden, life flickered, and it came back on, and it was a successful landing. Seven minutes of terror, but can you imagine 400 years of silence in the waiting, looking at the sky? God, where are you? Are you even active in this world anymore? Do you even care about us anymore? The story of Christmas is the story of waiting. There was a remnant of people. They were gonna hold on to the hope and believe in God, but for us, many times in our lives, we look around and we start to lose hope as we see the world around us, the COVID, and all that we've experienced this year, and we start to say, God, where are you in this? Is this Christmas story, is this even true? Is this some myth? Is this some, like, what's a, the virgin birth? And like, is, what is, uh, this doesn't make any sense, Lord. And today, many people are asking, is, is it even worth it that I've, been, I've given up all of this stuff and made all these, these, these adjustments in my life to be a follower of Christ? Is it even worthwhile? Where are you, Lord? If you've ever asked those questions, the Christmas story is your story. It's my story. This morning, we launched into a new series called The Thrill of Hope. And as pastors, we sat down and we said, what do our people need to hear and, and where do we need to go? And we went back to Luke chapter one and we're gonna dive in over the next few weeks. We're gonna go through story by story of how Luke sets it up leading up to the birth of Christ and just after, as we look at this amazing story, I wanna invite you to come back and to be a part of these messages as they bring hope into your season this year. And so as we jump in this morning in Luke chapter one, let's see how Luke in, introduces us to the characters of Christmas in verse five. In the time of Herod, and now that would be Herod who, who, who killed all the babies around Bethlehem, if you remember that, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And so here we have these two characters, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were descendants of Aaron all the way back with Moses through this priestly line, and so today we might say that they were preacher's kids. 
Those PKs, you know, like their, their great-grandfather was a PK, and then they were one, and then one. And so they were part of this line, this holy line of serving the Lord in the temple. Verse 6, both of them were, were righteous in the sight of God. And so when God looked at their life, he said, you're living right, you're doing the right thing, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Blamelessly. This would mean if we sent a, a private investigator to follow these two around, there wouldn't be much to tell. They, they were doing everything correctly. They were living in a right way. They were part of that remnant, living in, in blind faith and in, in getting up every day of their lives saying, today could be the day that the Messiah is coming and God is gonna fulfill his promises to us. As we move on, I'm sure there were times in their lives personally and when maybe their friends and people around them looked at them and said, hey, how's that blameless thing working out for you over there? Verse seven, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Oh, great, okay, let me get this straight. So you live blamelessly before the Lord, you serve in the temple, you're, you're trying to walk faithfully to him and then, then he will withholds from you an heir. He won't let you have the joy of raising a, a child and, and, and get this opportunity. For In this culture, childbearing was, was one of the highest callings that a, a woman in that culture could experience. And men, they, they weren't blamed when someone couldn't conceive. It was always the women. They didn't know science and have the understanding that we do now. And so women carried the shame. And all of Elizabeth's adult life, she carried this, this shame. Has God abandoned me? Has God refused to answer my prayers? Verse seven, at the end, it says they were both very old. It was over. It was too late now. Their faithfulness to God had gone back to this promise that God made to Abraham way back in, in Genesis chapter 12 when he said all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. And so he began this, this nation and then Israel went to the promised land and then they began to expand and there were kings and there was David and there was Solomon and there was a temple and there was the glory. But then like humanity lives, they began to slip away from the faith and into rebellion and God dispersed them out, they were in exile, and finally little remnants would, would come back to Jerusalem, and now we find ourselves in this time where they're under Roman occupation. Not even their own individual country with the glory and splendor that they had once had, and so now they would look up and say, God, how are, we, how are you gonna bless the world through this? It looked hopeless. The idea that that God could do something through them. It just seemed impossible. But when everyone else was dropping away, was leaving the faith, would not. Culture of the Greeks and the Romans and just looking like the world around them, there was a remnant Zechariah and Elizabeth. Wow. The reason that Luke begins the Christmas story right here was that God was stirring and he was beginning to bring life into barrenness. He was beginning to stir in the impossible in the womb of a woman. He was about to come through. 
One of the truths we're gonna learn today from this passage of scripture is this right here, if you're following along and you're taking notes, is that in the fullness of time, when God is ready, God acts in the fullness of time. Let's go on. In verse eight, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest of God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So there was 24 orders of priests there. It was a, there was a lot of these guys. And they would cast lots. And this culture believed that in the casting of lots was the divine work of God. And so Zechariah, he gets the call. Can you imagine the honor of a lifetime? You get to go inside the temple to where nobody gets to and burn incense near the Holy of Holies. What an incredible honor. And here he is in verse 10. When the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were outside. So they're out like in the narthex. He goes in by himself. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Isn't that like the standard angel answer? Like you look all through the Bible, what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Like why, why would they need to? Well, apparently they're like terrifying, you know, like they're huge. Like we have this little view of a precious moment's little angel on a cloud. But if you look through scripture, the, the Bible speaks of angels in their power and in their ability to wield incredible power. And the Bible says in Hebrews that they are ministering spirits. They have come to us. But here's Zechariah, it says he's afraid. And can you imagine, like, he's blameless and he's afraid. Like, if it was me or you, we'd be like, ah, falling on our knees, confessing all kinds of sins. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Like, I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. And he's like, hey, relax. Don't be afraid. Listen to what he says. Your prayer has been heard. Wow, wouldn't that be something just to hear, hear that? Not your prayer has been answered, but just your prayer has been heard. Wow. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you were to call him John, a.k.a. John the Baptist, the baptizer. Yes, God is putting a plan into action. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will, be a, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. When? Even before his birth. Wow, like there's life. Verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. They had wandered off into the wilderness and John was preparing to go to that wilderness of life and to say the Lord is calling you in repentance to come back because so many had just said, you know what, forget this. I've run out of fun with this. I'm out. Verse 17, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. You remember Malachi chapter four? 
and turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then look at this in 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. Then he gets real diplomatic right here, guys. You might want to look at this. He says, my wife is well along in years. <laughs> Smart man there. I'm old. She's old. You know, Gabriel, uh, that's great that you, that you heard our prayers, but you're a little late. You know, we started praying in our 20s. We were so excited to get a family started. We prayed into our 30s. We even prayed into our 40s, and we were hoping, and then we even prayed into our 50s. But you're late. We're old. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. He's saying, hello, what do you mean to ask me? Is this possible? How can this be? I'm an angel. I'm standing right in front of you. Listen, he says, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you're going to be silent and not able to speak until the day it happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true. Listen to this when at their appointed time. Let's say that phrase right there together. At their appointed time. You mean all these years God had this marked on his calendar? Mm-hmm. You mean all these years that we prayed, me and Elizabeth and our ancestors have prayed that, that God heard our prayers? Mm-hmm. You mean God never in the silence and in the waiting abandoned us for once? Oh, no. Hope. Hope is on the way, even in the quiet, at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in there so long. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in there in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. What we're about to see here in these final verses of this story is that God comes to bring life where there was none. All throughout Scripture, you see this. God is coming to breathe life into death. He's a God of resurrection. Maybe in your life right now, you feel like things are dead. Your marriage needs a resurrection. Your relationships, your finances, and God says, I've come to bring life where there was none. When his time of service was completed, he returned home, Zechariah did, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This, this was evidence that God was about to do something that he had been planning to do all along. God was about to come through with the promise of hope. The Messiah would come. Hope that God was gonna break the silence. And even though he's silent now, he will come through. God is a God who keeps his promises. 
even when we don't keep ours. We break them every single day to him in so many ways. But he says, I've come to fulfill the promise that I made to you in the beginning. I've come to, to send my son to go to the cross to die for you, to rise again in power and victory and to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can live in victory too. I've come to fulfill my promise. Hope is on the way. The Christmas story is our story, isn't it? This story is this dilemma here. This is our story. Do I stay or do I go? Do I continue to serve the Lord faithfully or do I just go do something else? Do I do that shady deal over here or do I maintain my integrity? Why? Nobody's watching. Who's gonna know? God, are you there? Where are you right now? But in every generation, there's been a remnant of people that have remained faithful, that are led by his spirit's power and covered by his grace, and he's calling you today. And he says, welcome to the common experience of humanity, of children of God, to doubt, to wonder, to wait. He said, I haven't left you in the silence. Christmas reminds us of a couple of truths as we wrap this up this morning, and the first one is this, is that God is active in our world, and he does keep his promises. The second thing is this, that the proper response to the frustration of God's timing and unanswered prayer is to remain faithful. It's faithfulness. And then finally, neither that faithfulness nor your hope is in vain. In 1848, the French poet Adolf Adam wrote a famous Christmas carol that we sing every year, O Holy Night. And one of the lines from that that you may have heard before says this, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Long lay the world, hundreds of years, thousands of years, in sin and error pining. And pining is, 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 is to long for, to pray for, to hope for. The Christmas story reminds us of this, that long lay the world in sin and error pining, but not forever. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. To God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.